Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome to Canucks After Dark. After a Canucks win over their bitter rivals, the Seattle Kraken, who they have never lost a game to at this point, a big 3-0 victory, or they're 3-0 in a 5-2 victory, I should say. As always, joined just moments from being at that game, I'm joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? Parker, I am great, as you can imagine, and I appreciate you being a man of many talents, multitasking, jumping from your own show to this show. I'll do my best, Thomas Drance, Jeff Patterson, with my eye in the sky, first-hand account of what I saw in the arena, but I'm in a good mood, as I'm sure you are. It was a good win that the Canucks, this is a game that the Canucks should have won, and they did. Yeah, it was a, a dominant performance by any metric. Uh, shots on goal, 46 to 27. Uh, mm. Expected goals were basically 5 to 2 on the nose. Uh, so the Canucks just outplayed the Kraken, and it's a team that they they should beat. They need to beat uh, basically every time they play them because that is not the best team uh, out there at this <laughs> point. Um, but we do have uh, some stuff to talk about. I don't have a bunch of news lined up, so I'm going to rely on you a little bit because I've been a little bit busy uh, mm. over the last uh, over the last couple of hours. Um, but typically, we start with going over the last week of Canucks action. So why don't we uh, why don't we kick that off here? Sounds great to me. And by the way, I presume the mood in your post game was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. There yeah. wasn't about there wasn't a lot to be down on in that game. Um, genuinely, I, I had a couple of things on on Horvat taking two penalties, which I didn't like. Yeah, uh, to be honest. Um, and that first power play that the Canucks <laughs> had was was absolutely atrocious. Uh, so do we? Let's start with this game because we we just <laughs> we just watched it. It just happened. It's uh, fresh. Canucks, Canucks take down the Kraken five to two. I just talked about it at length, but I want to hear your thoughts on this game. What's your, uh, what's your sort of breakdown? Yeah, th- actually, this is kind of cool. I get to do this because I, I do watch your post games, but obviously today I was driving trying to get here. Um, so um, yeah, we could agree. Who knows what happens? Obviously, the fourth line was so good, and Lamico doing his best uh, Wayne Gretzky impression by dishing from behind the net on the Mott goal. The Travis Hamnett goal. Who would have seen that coming? By the way, did you pay, um, did you mention the whole tweet or the the fact that that was basically the guys that we traded Yolevi, um, Gaudet, and and uh, Thomas Vanek for? That was the line, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did so. touch on that a little bit. Just the fact that both of those trades were were fantastic. How they've worked out <laughs> for that yeah. one line specifically. Awesome. So I love to play the fourth line, even though Garland was held off the score sheet. To me, he was very noticeable the way he was dancing and the way he was controlling play that whole line, that new, new top line of, of Miller with Hor, uh, excuse me, with Garland and Pearson. You know, I thought the, the Pedersen line was fine. They, they weren't the best ever, but they produced that goal by Pod Colson. I actually thought the only line that struggled was the Horvat Dickinson and Besser line. And Horvat does get his goal on the power play at the start of the third, but to me, they were the least noticeable, but that's okay. You, if if you're not noticeable, if other lines are stepping up like our fourth line, then and, and against a poor team, let's let's be honest. I think that's okay. So those were some of my. Demko was fine. A nice bounce back game after Saturday, and the crowd was into it. And uh, overall, it was a, it was a good night at the arena for sure. Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment of the lines. Um, that that Horvat Besser line and Dickinson were were basically unnoticeable uh, yeah. this game. Um, and I was sort of talking about how to me, Besser is like the, a great complimentary piece, right? You put him mm-hmm. out there with a couple of playmakers and he is an excellent second threat. Um, right. If he's out there with Patterson and Miller, he he's basically the third threat. And that is a, an excellent piece to have. But when Horvat's playing sort of in this, in this way that he's been playing the last you know few weeks where he's just not really being effective, not really the difference maker that we've seen in the past. Uh, and Jason Dickinson, who, I mean, we've talked about. Uh, really isn't the Jason Dickinson that we were sold. Uh, I don't think. Um, and I, I think, you know, we could have seen from the start that that line might not have worked out the way, uh, the way they had hoped, but the other lines, yeah. Uh, Patterson is looking great. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that Mott Lamico Highmore line uh, is so, so powerful. Uh, they've been playing so, so well together. Uh, but all around. Yeah. I think, I think only one real down line, uh, yeah. in that game. Yeah. What'd you think of the blue line overall? It was fine. Tyler yeah. Myers had that terrible two on one. 
Um, I think I can the, play a two on one better than that, man. And I, yeah, I don't know how to I, play hockey. You, <laughs> if you, I think if you just lie flat, you're in a better spot than than what Myers did. Uh, you just sort of, you just got to keep up with the guy coming in, right? And he let him get past him. It wasn't great. <sighs> Other than that, Tyler Myers was great. <laughs> like genuinely, he had one bad shift. And yeah. he had a great other 20 minutes uh, on the night. Um, Travis Hamannick, I genuinely didn't notice tonight other than his two chances where he almost scored. He did get the belt, though, uh, apparently. I just oh. saw I just saw the uh, tweet was posted about a minute ago. So okay. I thought it would okay. go to Mott. That seemed like a gimme. Yeah. Um, but they went the other way. Um, yeah. And, and the rest of the guys were fine. Uh, Quinn Hughes is Quinn Hughes. Uh, and yeah. he was fantastic. Um, and yeah, I think he had five shots on goal tonight. Yeah. Uh, I, I think everyone played, everyone sort of did their job, in my right. opinion. Right. Do we know, actually, Parker, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Do we know who Hamnick got the belt from? Because we were missing one game, right? Lamico got it the first game and then they won again. They won on the road, though, didn't they? Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's only at home. Yes. Yeah. So okay. it was still, I think it was still uh, Lamico at the belt. Um, so yeah, now it is, now it is Travis Hamannick. It's, I don't know why I didn't go to Tyler Mott. One of the things I also noticed from this game, uh, and I sort of mentioned it on, on my, on my post game was, Mm. I mean, you see the Canucks have 46 shots, the Kraken have 27. The blocked shots were surprising to me. Uh, Seattle blocked eight shots. Vancouver blocked 20. Wow. So shot attempts weren't that far off. It was 66 to 53, I think. Okay. Um, which normally, you know, they'd average, you know, each a certain percentage of shots usually misses or gets blocked. And so that would usually be like a six or seven shot difference. But the difference maker here, Canucks just getting in shooting lanes, preventing yeah. things from getting through to Demco, uh, only had to make 25 stops on the night, uh, which, yeah, like you said, a great bounce back for him because he really needed it. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up, Parker, the, the total shots because um, I, I went with my season ticket partner, Mike, and we looked at the shot clock and it was something like 30 to whatever, 15 or 30 to yeah. 18. But for the first half of the game, I don't know if you'd agree with me. It, did, it didn't feel like the Canucks were dominating. In fact, because they were losing for a lot of the first period, or at least some of it, it felt like a very even game. And it wasn't until the second half of the game where the Canucks really started to assert themselves, I thought. I think I agree that it felt even. Uh, yeah. And I was kind of surprised. I looked at, because I looked at natural statric and I expected like, the, like, the second period is going to be a big gap. The third period is going to be probably pretty even. Um, according to natural statric, it was, it was pretty... Uh, pretty one-sided oh, even was. the first okay. uh okay. 71% expected goals for the Canucks in the first 82 in the second and 64 in the third mm. um so Canucks won every period analytically uh high danger chances were 6 to 3 in favor of Vancouver in the first period um okay. which which was i guess part of the big difference maker um and i think the third period the reason they had more expected goals is cuz empty netters it's just one like it just shoots up <laughs> Uh, so I think if you take that, if they take that Pearson off the board, I think, uh, I think Seattle had the edge there in the third, but okay. Um, oh, okay. That's score effects mainly. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would love to bounce back to, I never re- really thought about the two Horvat miners. Now they didn't score on them because we were too busy giving up the shorthanded goal, right? As opposed to any power right. play goals. Yeah. yeah. Penalty kill went four for four. That's a plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, Last game, we saw that penalty kill drop below the 70% mark again. Um, <laughs> and now I, I must have crept back up, I would imagine. Um, so that's yeah. a that's a small victory <laughs> in yeah, this one. Yeah. And that, uh, the other thing I want to touch on, there's so many things, is Lamico giving the belt to Hamnick. What was interesting is uh, Boudreaux, before the game today, was talking about why he put Hughes and Hamnick together, as Hughes and Shen, and then you have Hunt and Shen as your third pairing. And he said that Hamnick can be a top four guy, but he needs to start playing like it and given the opportunity to do so. So I'm not saying that he told Lamico to give him the belt, but I think Boudreaux really likes Hamnick and really wants him to succeed. So I guess that's a that's a positive overall, even though, you, like, like you said, aside from the goal, he wasn't very noticeable, was he? Yeah, Hamannick's been a guy where I mean, look, he's been behind the eight ball this year, right? Yeah, <laughs> like everything that's gone on, uh, he has every reason to not be performing great. I don't think he has been great until tonight. He was very solid. Um, and again, I wasn't too honed in on him, like I wasn't focusing uh, on him for the most part. Um, I was watching the game fairly casually tonight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, you know, I, I think he was he was absolutely fine. And to get the belt means that the team saw something in him that maybe I didn't. And uh, that's good <laughs> enough for me. Awesome. Awesome. So overall, uh, I'm glad you you saw a, a good game as casually as you watched it. I'm glad you had a good post game show. It was fun in the arena. And thank you for accommodating me. And now there's just like normal, except I'm in a 
my very stale office background tonight. Yes, as you can it's tell. a bit of a void behind you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get the edge of a picture frame though, so that's a little yes, bit of excitement yes. for okay, us. Thank you, thank you. Uh, do we want to talk talk about the two other games from this week? Yeah, a little bit. Sure. All right, we are going to talk a very small amount. We'll get about the game on Saturday. Oh. Uh, Ducks seven, Canucks four. Uh, I didn't do a post game after this one. Yeah. Um, we were texting each other in the third. I remember Yeah, you were like, are you doing one today? I'm like, Nope. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch the third period of this game. Uh, apparently yeah. it was the only really interesting one. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, Canucks allowed five goals early. Uh, and it's something that they've done now twice in the last little while, right? They did it against <laughs> the Islanders last week. Uh, they do it against the ducks this week, two teams that aren't like crazy good offensively. Right. I mean, where does Anaheim rank in goals? 14th right? Uh, that's not, it's not like they're an elite goal scoring team no. and the Islanders are the worst goal scoring team, in the NHL at 110 goals in 45 games this year. Uh, and a lot of those are from that game against the Canucks that they had. So, uh, I, I don't have much to really touch on this game. I did take notes during it. I don't think oh, I'm yeah. open anymore. Uh, I took notes up until the, uh, up until the end of the second period. Um, I had one minus, and that was that the Canucks are now now are at a lead le- league leading fourteen games this season where they have allowed multiple power play goals, <laughs> which is good job, guys. 14 yeah, we don't out have fifty yeah. games where they've allowed we, multiple power play goals. We don't have to say too much about this game, but I, I will say this, Parker, and, and, I, and I, yeah, I don't blame you for not streaming uh, that night. Being at the arena, it was so disappointing because not only 100% capacity, the fans yeah. were just waiting for something good to happen. They wanted to cheer, but we knew we got, went in this game three points behind Anaheim with a game in hand. We win that. We're basically tied with them with a game in hand. So everything was set up. Even, I know you can't look at it this way, even the next day on Sunday night, the three teams that we're battling with, they all lose in the playoff. So this was a really, really good opportunity. So for the Canucks to come out so flat, Maybe bad luck, but also bad play. It was it was it was frustrating. It was just it was maddening, is the word I used. Yeah, this was a game that saw at least for the athletic, their playoff odds dropped from ten percent to six. Ooh. And you have to think if they had won, it probably went up to like twelve or thirteen. Yes, and then those three yes. losses uh, after that uh, from those other teams would yep. have probably got the Canucks right back in it. Now I didn't check where they were at this morning. I do want to pull <laughs> it up because I have uh, I have the link here. Nice. Um, the Canucks. Before coming in today, we're at six percent still. Still, um, the Ducks were at nineteen. I imagine this win. You know, the Canucks pro- were projected to win this game. What percent of the time? Sixty-four uh, percent of the time per mm. that same model. So it might it'll move their odds up a little bit. But I mean, we're talking yeah. we're talking probably in the seven eight percent range. Uh, yeah. Not like they're on the edge of of breaking out or anything. Exactly. Exactly. I love what you said there because we've talked about this before. It's one thing to win two here, then lose one here, win one, lose two. That's not going to get you anywhere. They have to basically win a few in a row or at least two out of three, but every, but very consistently, very consistently. Yep. Yep. Um, anything else with this? Anything you want to talk about about this actual game? Uh, uh, you know, the Kyle Burrows hit kind of sucked uh, how he got hurt. Uh, Dolly Wells mm-hmm. had broken ribs and that happened in the first, second shift of the game. The first shift of the game, Burroughs actually hit the, the the net and went off its moorings. And then the second shift right after it, he gets plowed in the boards by Delore. He then goes on and scores two goals. So yeah, yeah. To literally add insult to injury. But that that's too bad. Burroughs was having a decent season, especially for a third pairing guy. And it's really too yeah. bad. Yeah, no. he was he was found money basically. Uh, yes. a player who wasn't expect. Remember the Canuck, the Canucks signed a bunch of defensive depth, hoping some people might break through. Right, and I think we talked about this back in August. Uh, we were like, yeah, there's going to be. They they went out, and they signed a bunch of a bunch of seven eight level guys, and are hoping a couple of them will graduate to a five yeah. six. Yeah. And Burroughs was one of those guys, you know, and yes. he was someone who like trade talks were were actually being rumored, right? Like, hey, teams might be interested in, in throwing a, a late round pick the Canucks way to, to mm. have this guy for a playoff run, even as a you know 26 year old rookie. Uh, and now he's out for likely the next two months, which is basically the rest of the season, right? The right. Canucks play, I think, up to the like the in the 20s of April. Um, so basically up till right before May. So he, yeah. we might see him a couple times before the end of the season, but I mean, I imagine at that point, if the Canucks are out of it, why bother pushing him back? Right. right. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. some positives from this game though, some sweet goals at least, right. We have yeah. the Petters, we have the vintage Pedersen shot from his spot on the power play that, yeah. you know, it's good when it's a, it's a Pedersen slap shot that doesn't even touch the netting. 
it's just bar straight down oh, and it so do- good. doesn't have enough forward momentum to hit the back of the net that connor garland backhand was insane yeah um so a couple of, a couple of nice goals uh yeah. but basically that was it yeah, and one last thing, uh, because you didn't see the third, you, I'm not sure you ever saw the, there was a potential that Ekman Larson would have got hurt. That would have been so bad for this team. I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, he took, a, he got rubbed out on the boards. He looked like he was favoring one of his low, left leg, but obviously he played a, a full game today, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you play do you play full minutes tonight? Do you? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I noticed I had, it, I had it up, and I know no one was really that high in minutes except Hughes. Okay. Um, OEL played, he played 18 minutes. So on the lower end for him, but... Oh. The Canucks were leading going into the third and throughout the third, right? They're up 4-2 basically yeah. for the entire third period. So they might have just been rolling lines a little bit more. Brad Hunt, right. you know, lowest minute man was 16 minutes. So it was all right. pretty even. Uh, Hughes was just under 26. Tyler Myers, 21 minutes, right? They weren't wow. they weren't pushing anyone too, too hard uh, tonight. Gotcha. Quickly, Parker, this is just for Shannon in the chat. She's wondering what jersey I'm wearing. The Patterson 40. Nice. Yeah, that- I know that wasn't probably good for the audio portion of our show, but <laughs> <laughs> I gave some play-by-play. Okay, thanks. Yes, um, that's true. <laughs> and before this game, the Canucks played earlier uh, in the week. When was that? Was it Thursday they played? Like, yeah, they took on the San, San Jose, Jose Sharks. Uh, and this was uh, this is a game the Canucks got two points out of, but man, did they make it difficult. I just realized we played all like water animals this week. We, we played the Sharks, then the Ducks, and then the Kraken. Yeah, that is that is the the West Coast. Isn't that a good observation? <laughs> that's 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 why you pay me the big bucks, Parker. Absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah. uh it was it was not a good game. Uh the Canucks wanted the Sharks to take it. They gave them every opportunity to take it. Uh and somehow they won, uh which was great. Yeah, they had a good start to the game and then yeah, that's true. They, somehow they did then they gave that oh man did you see uh, i can't remember did you break it down that the last goal that they allowed with half a second left it was so bad yeah so reimer goes to the bench with 45 seconds to go um and and travis hamannick so so they're at center ice with like seven seconds left right like (laughs) there's it's it's over um the sharks come into the zone some stuff goes on and then basically barabanov is coming in uh, in the face-off circle of Thatcher Demko's left, yeah, right, coming in uh, on his glove side, um, and Travis Hamonic with one second on the clock is playing the cross crease pass. Now, keep in mind, there's a bunch of bodies over there, right? Yes. Yeah. Even if the puck goes over there, the odds of someone getting their stick on not very high. Uh, all he needs to do is slide at this guy's legs or and the puck basically at the same time, put the stick out there. But he plays the pass, allows Barabanov to walk in, and he scores with 0.6 seconds on the clock. Um, it, it, it's things like that that just shouldn't happen, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it wouldn't have happened. Remember, Elias Patterson shatters his stick with four minutes to play, all yeah. alone in the slot, prime opportunity. Uh, so many things that just didn't go the Canucks' way, and it's mo- mostly by their own doing. Uh, and uh, they gave up that that you know point to San Jose, which probably won't be crucial, but still. True. True. Yeah, they're one of the few teams below us. Uh, but even before that, great point about Hamnick. But Horvat inexplicably falling down or sliding at the blue line. Then you had Myers, no man's land. He 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 thinks about checking. Then he sees the guy going. I don't know what he was doing. So it was just bad. It was just bad. Yeah. Uh, and then and then Miller scored. Yeah. In overtime, which is great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, great it, was, uh, yep. it was uh, it was it was a mess of a game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the this is a game where special teams was a disaster um the the power play they had four power plays they had three shots on their first power play they had zero mm. shots on all of the remainder the last three um their penalty kill went over two that brought them back below 70 percent um it was they were lifeless it, it, it's like they came out they were dominant in the first period they outshot san jose 15 to 4 they mm-hmm. were all over them. They're up to nothing. And then they just sat back on their heels and, and didn't skate the rest of the game. Uh, and they, they let San Jose walk all over them and get back into that game. And uh, I mean, the Canucks got lucky to come out of it with a win. Yeah. So you can imagine uh, and you back it up a couple games that we've already recapped last week, but that they got smoked by the Islanders. Then they, they were lucky to escape with the win over Toronto in a very entertaining game. Then they get outplayed by San Jose and then they get smoked by Anaheim. So we weren't really riding the best momentum coming into tonight's game 
Yeah, yeah. This this game is one they needed, right? They needed yeah. a, sort of a tune-up game, uh, especially going into going against Calgary on uh, on Thursday coming up here. That mm-hmm. is going to be a recipe for disaster uh, <laughs> with, how, with how hot they are right now. But we'll kept, they've won that. 10 in a row? 10 in a row as they beat the, the Jets today. Oh, uh, they are they are on an absolute heater. Markstrom oh, is unreal. Um, and they are they have their work cut out for them uh, in that one. Do we want to do we want to do previews or do we want to do those at the end? We'll uh let's let's save them. Let's save them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, other than that, I think that's kind of it for this game. Canucks get two sure. points that they didn't deserve. Uh they gave San Jose every <laughs> chance to get back in it, and they they won it anyways, uh, which we take. Um so Typically, we talk sort of about the news of the week. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot this week. There was no. Kyle Burrows uh, getting injured, and I didn't yeah. have a card for that, a banner. But yeah, Kyle Burrows out for two months, uh, likely broken ribs. They haven't said anything officially, but that's what Rick Dollywall said, um, which is just unfortunate. We already touched on it. Uh, other, And then they almost lose Jack Rathbone, right? That was a big one. Um, and my card says that it turns out that he's made of steel. Uh, because Jack Rathbone gets run from behind. Uh, do you remember who it was? Yeah. Colton Seaver. Colton Sevier. Yeah. Yeah. Sevier. Yeah. Yeah. That guy runs him, runs him from behind enough for a two game suspension. Um, Rathbone is down on the ice for, I think 12 minutes before getting stretchered off. And that's one of those things that you see and you say, okay, well, hopefully he's back next season. Right. Like, cause this is one of those things that, that it's, uh, the, like, 12 minutes before the stretcher is is a crazy amount of time right that's so much stabilization that needs to be done and all that stuff and then it comes out that night or maybe i think they they tweeted it maybe the next morning yeah jack rathbone's traveling with the team for our next game he's fine yeah he he got discharged from the hospital that night he's fine and we'll see him next game or like at least he'll he'll travel with the team which is crazy wow and then did you hear and as jasmine just put it right in the in the chat then he gets, uh, yeah. Then he gets called oh. up by whatever team, and so he doesn't have to say service suspension. How does that work? Yeah, so he got suspended two games in the AHL, which means he <laughs> cannot play in this team's next two AHL games. So he gets called up by by the NHL team, and he'll, uh, I don't know if he's playing or he's just in the press box, but yeah, he, it's I mean, still. he'll be serving his suspension while in the NHL, uh, which is is crazy that that's allowed. You'd think that the NHL would be like, no, if you're suspended there, you're not playing here, like. That's that's kind of silly. I mean, even growing up for me, if I got suspended in a minor hockey game, I yeah. wasn't allowed to referee. Wow. <laughs> like that's like they were strict on something like that. But but in the NHL, it's like, oh, you're suspended in that league. Come on, come play over here. It just seems, how many times you get suspended, Parker? Uh, very only for like the occasional game misconduct, and you can't play the next game. Um, you good? Uh, it was very rare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really happy that, that Rathbone seems to be okay. I don't know if he played in their last game. I doubt it. I, yeah, you'd think I, they'd I give him it. a couple off. I think yeah. they've they've won six in a row, I think, uh, which yeah. is great in Abbotsford. But uh, yeah, really happy that, that Rathbone's not seriously hurt. Me too. I, I want to ask you about him in a second, uh, about his chances playing for the big team. I showed my season ticket partner, Mike. He hadn't seen the video. He just heard of it. Mm. And then when I rewatched it, I'm I'm not I'm zero percent excusing defending Sever Sever, but it looked like Rathbone jumped a bit, um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But is that it, a natural thing? It can be okay. if you if you kind of feel it's come at the last second, sort of a panic response, right? Uh, and you try to you're just trying to absorb it, right? Okay. Uh, and you you know sometimes you think off oh, I'm a little bit off the ice I I'm not getting sort of like pushed down I'm, I have some more space or something like that I I've done it it's it's a weird sort of just panic response it's not usually a good response mm-hmm. um but yeah it's uh I it's sort of the spur of the moment I don't think he was really he was really a strategy or anything right okay that's fair so uh, I want to you know why is this important well I want to tie it into the connect so on the left side today it was Ekman Larson Hughes and hunt we know burrows has played there he can play on his off uh, offside do you think rathbone will and do you think he should get a call up by the end of this season um will he if if that if the if he's not hurt uh yeah. i think he should yeah um I, I mean he's been tearing it up right he's been putting yeah. up points i think he had a five point game right yeah. last week that like 
that's crazy for a defenseman. Even in the like the HL is not an easy league, right? Yep. The yep. HL is is a tough, grindery league, as we saw yep. him get get laid out a couple of nights ago. Um, it's not easy to put up a bunch of points. Uh, yep. I, I totally think he deserves a shot. Um, and also on that line, guys like Sheldon Dries, right? He's yeah. putting up a ton of points. I think he's at twenty something goals, like twenty six goals this year, as a huh. center in like forty something games, like like crazy, crazy good numbers. Um, and he's a center, right? Can I, you could always use more centers. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe we see some of those names down the line. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Brad hunt. Um, and I, I would much rather a guy like Rathbone. And I think from a coach's perspective, totally see why you'd rather have Brad hunt in the lineup over Jack Rathbone, right? Mm. Probably more secure, less scary. Uh, but Jack Rathbone has that, that ability, even if he's playing 15 minutes a night there yeah. he can make some plays in that time uh and, and i i think right. that's something the canucks at times have sorely needed this year and i remember at the start of the year uh, i'll give you props here that we were talking about should rathbone start this team uh start the season on the team and you were the one who said i can't remember if it was a contract thing or a waiver thing but you were the one who said no yeah. you watch he'll be the one that sent down do you remember that uh it was one of the yeah few there was there pre-season was predictions we got with, right because <laughs> you was waiver eligible and he wasn't that's right uh, that's and right. hunt was and they basically he was the only one that wasn't waiver eligible um, okay. so it made the most sense to send him no down ri- from an asset right, no risk. management. Right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I like him a lot. And you know, I don't worry. I, I know some people have said to me, don't you worry that you have two guys? Like he's not the same as Hughes, but he's got a similar skill set. And I said, no, if you, if you're, if your right side guy is a more kind of rough and tumble guy, like we have four of them, like why are Shen Pullman and Havanick? I'm fine with a, a very mobile left side guy. One yeah. of the two guys better be mobile. <laughs> yeah. And also it's like, oh man, you already have one Quinn Hughes. You don't want another one. No, right? we do. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you can say, okay, well you have, you already have five guys who are stay at home. Not very good defensemen, <laughs> like not very offensive defensemen. Don't you want some more of the other side? Right? Like yeah. you're allowed to have more than one skilled guy uh, on the yeah. back end. Um, you know, you sure. see it in Colorado, guys like McCarr and, and Sam Girard and Bowen Byram all, all getting some time there, right? Like yeah. that's a dynamic, dangerous defense. And sure, it might cost you some goals the other way, uh, but it's also going to net you some goals in the positive, right? Could you, would you rather have Brad Hunt or Jack Rathbone on power play too? Um, Rathbone. Yeah. And it's not close. I don't know why Brad Hunt's out there <laughs> to begin with. Um, but yeah, I uh, I, den- I genuinely think Jack Rathbone is a would be a a a solid piece to have on the roster. I agree. I agree. I, I can't wait. Uh, did he play when we, you and I met for the first time, and we went to see that Abbotsford the training yeah, the camp? Yeah, training camp. I mean, the Canucks training camp in Abbotsford. Yeah. No, what the heck did we watch? Yeah, that was that Canucks training camp in Abbotsford. Okay. Was yeah. Rathbone good? He was good that day, right? Yeah, we both kind of, yeah, he was yeah. very good. It was him yeah, and, Lockwood, and uh, him player. and Lockwood were were my standouts. I think <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. What's Lockwood doing? Is he hurt? He was hurt oh. for a time, wasn't he? He's got twenty points in thirty three games. Respectable. Hmm. Happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, other things that happened this week: uh, the Canucks got back to one hundred percent capacity, and, and we've had a couple games since then. And I thought we had already talked about it, but I don't think we have because I think it yeah. got announced last Tuesday was the uh, was the announcement, Correct. and we did Correct. our show Monday. Uh, yeah. So we've had a couple of games at one hundred percent capacity, uh, which is which is lovely to have back. Of course, the first one was a disaster. Against <laughs> the Canucks. Uh, this one was a little bit better. You've been in attendance for both. Yeah, uh, nicer than the nicer than the nine thousand. Yeah, it is. You can notice the difference right away. Everything from the warm up to the, you know, to when the Canucks take the ice pre- prior to the game to the anthems, everything. And you know, today I was in my regular seats in three nineteen, the ones that you sat in, and you could tell it was. You could just just visually because where we are is you can just see the whole arena and it looks really good. Then actually, I was in the Encore Lounge. I was up high on Saturday, and despite the result, as I mentioned. Uh, the crowd was into it, so uh, you noticed it. That Toronto game was funny. It's, it, I, I kind of told you, I, it felt like more than nine thousand. It was certainly louder than nine thousand, but you can't beat a full capacity um, arena. So yeah. I actually think Thursday nights can be absolutely nuts in there. I yeah, really I remember because I went to that that Coyotes game two weeks ago. Yes, and that was it. Was weird. It was weird being up there and having basically like you, like the entire section next to you just empty. And it's like <laughs> it doesn't feel like I'm there for. I feel like it feels like a practice. Like, I feel like I'm not yeah. like, it's like a, not a public thing. Right. Yeah. It was a weird vibe. It's, it's like what going to a game in like Arizona, I imagine would be like, yeah. Um, but on, but there'd still be more people here. <laughs> yes. Um, 
You and so, I should go to a game in Arizona next next year. We should try it. We could double their attendance or something. It would be great. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's good to, good that they're back in our percent. Obviously, it, it is nice to see. Um, yeah. Other news, uh, other things that I want to talk about, and I think our title for this, if I remember correctly, what did I do? You know what I titled this? No, I didn't. Did Pedersen, a chance to see the thumbnail. I'm gonna Pedersen, look right now. So I said, Pedersen is back. Uh, special teams are still struggling. Okay. Our special teams are suffering. So let's start with the first one of those. Elias Patterson yeah. uh, coming into this game. He had 15 points in the last 14. He gets two more assists tonight. So his last wow. 15 games, eight goals, nine assists for 17 points. He is above a point per game. That's like a 90 point pace, something like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, look, it's 15 game sample size, but it's not like it's 15 games. The Canucks have been putting up a ton of goals. He has yeah. genuinely been producing um, and he just looks absolutely like himself again. I agree with you completely. And uh, uh, yeah, 15, 14 last 15, was it? You said 14 last 15? Uh, 15 last 14. It's on your screen, isn't it? Oh, well, <laughs> see, I'm so focused. Actually, uh, okay, spoiler alert. I actually look at my camera and not at my screen. So I, it looks That's like fair. I'm actually looking. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, 15, good. And then, of course, um, I think he had coming in tonight, he had eight points in his last five. So whatever way you want to slice it, yeah, I we aren't hearing anyone saying, "Oh, what's wrong with him?" or whatever. It truly was a slow start, and people that were I, granted, it, we kind of got impatient as ten games became twenty games, became thirty games. But ever, yeah, ever since the thirty game mark, he's been actually quite good. I'm quite just good. happy that all the times I said, "I'm not worried, I'm not yeah. worried, he'll be back, he'll be fine," it's yeah. looking like I was right. <laughs> who do you? Which is nice. Who? So it's interesting uh, when he plays with. Parkos and a Huglander. And it's interesting. Brujo said today that he wants them to find chemistry on the ice because off the ice, they, he said they were very close, those three guys, which makes sense. Yes. They kind of hang around, and especially the two Swedes. But who do you think is best suited to play with Petey? Because he's played with everyone basically this season. Yeah, I I really like the idea of Parkos and Hoaglander. Mm-hmm. Hoaglander's not playing as well as he did last year. Right. I think if we had Hoaglander from like if Hoaglander, if this is like a little sophomore slump and look, the entire team is in one of those right now. Um, if we have a Hoaglander who's like a 40 to 50 point player, which I think is hopefully around where he might be right. Maybe around the 40 point mark. Yeah. Um, I think that Hoaglander playing with Patterson is a really solid piece. Um, and Pod Colson, similarly, Pod Colson has so much drive and he's so good with the puck, at least like in tight, like in the corners on the boards. Uh, and the second he loses a battle, he's skating and trying to get the puck back. Yes. I think those are, that's a really good style of player to have with Pedersen. I think their hockey IQs are lower than Pedersen's, Mm -hmm. but if that's something that they work on, and like you said, if they develop chemistry, they know where each other are on the ice. Um, and if they can develop as a squad for a while, uh, if that is a group that they want to continue to go with, I could see that being a, a really solid line. Um, mm-hmm. However, you can also say, well, w- you should put them with better players, right? Um, like, right. like Miller and Besser, uh, which again, I'm also totally fine with. Um, <laughs> I I think, I think Pedersen can work with anyone. It's just, yeah. w- except Jason Dickinson. It's just whether or not <laughs> he is... It, <laughs> Uh, it's wh- it's whether or not he's on, and and, and right yeah. now he is. Is it safe to say that PD is much better in the middle than on the wing? He's much more valuable in the middle. I yeah. don't know if he's. I mean, we saw he had that little, a little bit of a comeback when he came back on the wing because uh, he was mm-hmm. struggling all year. Then he had a couple games in the wing that he was okay, and then that fell off again. Right. Um, it is so different playing center than it is playing wing. Uh, mm-hmm. Playing wing, you're you're a lot less you're a lot less impactful on the game, right? As a center, you are, you, you sort of lead the charge. You're, you're wherever the puck is, is sort of your job. Uh, as a winger, you know, pucks in your zone, you're covering your D man. You might come down for support in the offensive zone. Now you're sort of on your boards or you're in front of the net, right? As yeah. a center, you are, you're a support. You have to go, you have to help every, everywhere on the ice. Uh, you're, you're skating more. It's, it's harder work. Um, but if you, if you are a, if you are better than most of the people on the ice, then you're going to be better at center because you're impacting the game more. Right. Uh, so I think when you have a player who, you know, is in a bit of a slump, the wing maybe makes some sense. But mm-hmm. if, if you're clicking at, you know, a 70 to 90 point pace, 
having that guy in the middle, uh, if he is smart enough to play center uh, and determined enough to play center is much more valuable. Yeah, I, no, I love what you said there. And even just you think of who uh, the star players are, generally they're centers, generally. And then you have some good wingers, but you need guys on the wing that can really fly to speed isn't the only thing but i i just pictured those games where pd was on horvat's side on his wing and with horvat in the middle and it, yeah he wasn't as effective for sure so i i agree with you and uh you know so the 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 bump then with miller going into the middle today so you have miller pd and horvat is then dickinson then moves back to the wing as opposed to at center yeah yeah <laughs> yeah enough enough said yeah yeah i don't know i i i don't know what to say about about jason dickinson i it's so yeah. weird how he went from, you know, this elite sort of shutdown defenseman or yeah. uh, shutdown forward kind of guy, yeah. uh, and just hasn't hasn't lived up to that. I'm actually curious on the analytics side. I'm going to pull up Jason sure. Dickinson's player card here. So, the Athletic does this thing where they they estimate sort of what range every player is going to be in in different stats, right? So project this is jason dickinson's projected stats at the start of the year right nine oh, goals ten nine goals ten assists right okay pretty reasonable he's at, he's on pace right now for five and five so even that minimal offensive production he's expected to have cut that in half uh where he's supposed to shine uh, is defense and uh, uh his gsva which i think is like game score value added it's a weird term but it's sort of this way to quantify defense right or offense or like just quantify a style of play so on defense he was projected to be a a positive 2.3 which would be in the 70 to 90th percentile so, so good so good yeah and yeah. i think if i'm looking at the tracker around here maybe like 75th percentile okay. defensively uh right now he is hanging right around the 50th percentile hmm. uh defensively so not great right average defensive player uh, mm -hmm. On the offensive side, he was projected to be minus 4.3. He's, he's on pace for minus 10.4 uh, on this same metric, which is in the bottom you know, 20% of the league. So he is well underperforming his projections for the year, um, which is not good, is what I will say. <laughs> now, uh, Boudreaux doesn't need us to defend him, but I do know he likes, when he does move Dickinson to the wing, I notice he always puts him with Horvat because I guess... He's saying Horvat is the most of the three between Miller, Petey, and Horvat. Horvat is maybe the most defensive-minded, so he likes to use them. Aside from your fourth line, he likes to use them as a match. I wouldn't say shutdown, as a matchup pairing for sure. Right, and I think that's fair. I think it's not doing Bo Horvat any favors, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that, you know, I'm not saying it's the reason he's playing bad. He's not playing well. I think that's more on him than it is on Dickinson. Um, but, you know, we, we always see him with, Bohor sort of gets the short end of the stick on who he plays with, right? <laughs> uh, he he plays sort of third fiddle to to Miller and Patterson. Miller and Patterson, yeah. unless if they're not playing, unless unless they're playing together, if they're playing on separate lines, they're going to get the more offensively capable wingers, right? Whether it's Patterson and Hoglander, or Puckholz and Hoglander, sorry, or if it's yeah. uh, or if it's Besser and and even Pearson or whoever you want to put up there, you know the and then you know I. Tyler Mott would be nice with them, but that Mott Lamico Highmore line is so ingrained together that you yeah. don't want to split them up. So, so Horvat gets the scraps, right? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's Pearson, which again, I, I've not, I'm not the biggest Tanner Pearson fan, but well, really, <laughs> but I, I like him more than Dickinson um, at this point. So I think uh, that's, you know, I, I don't think Horvat's get having any favors done uh, is what I'll say. Yeah, I agree with you, Parker, that Horvat often doesn't get the best wingers. But prior to tonight, he did have a three-game run with Miller and Besser. They didn't—they didn't do much, but yeah, they, again, yeah. right? Like he's gotten the occasional chance, not any yeah. prolonged, uh, prolonged runs. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So I said Patterson was one of the topics. The other topic was special teams. Oh. So Patterson was the fun topic of the night and we had the game to talk about. That was kind of fun too, but let's, let's dive into, uh, let's dive into the special teams over the last uh, little bit. Do you want to start power play or penalty kill? I'll let you choose. Pick your okay. poison. Uh, well, actually both were good tonight, but um, statistically we're a tiny bit better on the power play. So let's start there. Let's start off in a good note. Sorry. All right. The Vancouver Canucks who have the 17th ranked power play in the NHL. Not bad. Middle of the pack. Yeah. 
I think they have better personnel than that, but hey, middle of the pack. Uh, they have been struggling lately. Coming into this game, the stat was uh, two for their last 14. And remember, we talked about that one. I think it was the, the Sharks game where they had three power plays in a row with zero shots. <laughs> so it has been a, a disaster. Tonight, they go one for four. So in their last seven games, that takes them to three for 18, uh, which 16. is 17%. Yeah, yeah 16 repeating, um, which is, I mean, it's not terrible, terrible, but it's the way they've been playing, right? It's not just the numbers. The numbers aren't great, um, but it has been, tonight was better except for the first one, but it's been stagnant. They've been not getting anything going. It's never felt like they were on the cusp of a goal, really. Um, I mean, even the one goal they scored tonight, right? It was a quick play to Horvat, which was great. And they had been set up well, um, but it's not like they were, they're dominating on the power player. And keep in mind, they got scored mm. against while they were on the power play tonight as well. <laughs> so um, that's, that's not much better. They should actually, uh, not just for the Canucks, they should actually make shorthanded goals, like make you lose like 5% or something. Cause it's, it's so bad. Uh, it, it should impact it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the power play. I was listening to uh, Van Cast and they were talking about how the Canucks have improved or not improved under Boudreaux. And Thomas Drantz was very adamant that the Canucks power play got worse under Boudreaux. And then I went back at him very politely on Twitter. And I simply said, yeah. um, I, I know what you're saying, but technically actually it was only 17.4% under green. And it's actually improved under Boudreaux, um, his 25 games to 21.1. And he wrote back, he says, underlying profile has worsened, especially last 10 games uh, in, in what is generating shots, chances, attempt. It's been worse in the last 10 games than at any point in the season. And I, right. I don't disagree with that at all. And it was maddening tonight. We saw it where you have five very talented players individually, but they can't even get it over that thick blue line. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and, and the big the big difference there, like like you said, underlying stats have shown that that lately they've been worse. And the the real difference is the opposing goalie's save percentage has gone down, right? Like the Canucks shooting percentage has gone up, uh, okay. which isn't really a, a sustainable stat, right? That's that's yeah. a lot of a luck based uh, as you get yeah. to some of those. So, yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's rough, and and the eye test verifies that, right? Mm -hmm. Especially these last couple of games, they have just looked lost out there and um you know quinn hughes gets at the point uh, he'll play it over and then someone will lose the puck and it'll go the, it'll get cleared down and suddenly there's suddenly there's 40 seconds left on the power play and it's yeah. over right um yeah it's uh it's just it's just in a bad state and it's again it's so weird to see when you're when your unit is hughes Pedersen, besser miller and horvat yeah right we are talking about five players who can score right yeah. You have yeah. one of the you have a, an excellent quarterback in Quinn Hughes, right? He he's so composed, he's so good at putting the puck where it needs to be. Uh, you have JT Miller, who is you know a top twenty scorer in the NHL right now, at least points wise. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Pedersen, who has one of the most lethal one timers in the game. You have Horvat, who's very good from that bumper spot, uh, and then you have you have Besser out there, who he can he can shoot the puck too, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of guys yeah. who, in theory, should be great. Uh, and yeah. it just still hasn't clicked yet. Yeah. You, individually, they're great. Once in a while, we'll see flashes. Petey's goal on Saturday, the one-timer from his spot. Tonight, Miller to Horvat, that cute little pass to the middle. And when it works, and I mm -hmm. get it. That's a that's actually an underrated play because Horvat does have to find that little seam. He's got to yeah. get open. It's not just a matter of just pass it to me. No, he's got to work to get open, and it's got to be a good pass. So I get all that. But Parker, we know that the power play is always the same thing. Once he's got it, Miller will come up and circle and yep. then he gives him an option. And then often Miller will then behind back pass it. And then we're in the same spot again. Pedersen's just standing there. Horvath's just standing there. Besser's just standing there. There's not any movement. And you look at the good power plays. They're at least making you think they're at least making a defenseman make a decision. Right. Yeah. It's very predictable yeah. uh, because there's, there's always two options, right? Wherever, wherever the puck is on the ice, there is two options maybe three right Hughes yeah. has the puck at the point it's either going to Miller or it's going to Pedersen yeah. sometimes if Quinn Hughes gets the puck on the like close to the boards yeah the third option sometimes he'll try to walk the line and take a shot like he'll right. walk in the middle try to make people move and find an opening and take a shot um but if he's standing at the middle of the ice already he's probably not going to shoot it he, <laughs> he usually moves to to try to create some space if it goes to Pedersen 
it's either a one-timer or the puck's not where he wants it to be, and he plays it back to Hughes. That's basically yeah. it, right? He, yeah. he almost never goes down low. That's he a great point. Back to Hughes. Uh, Miller does something similar. Sometimes he'll play it around uh, down low, or he'll try to find horror on the bumper, or he will force something through that doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> and then the puck is almost never down low, right? Yeah. Um, like very, very rarely. And that's that's kind yeah. of the entire Canucks power play. Like I, yeah. I don't really think I missed anything. I would love to see Miller on his pass it down to Besser, right on his right wing, and Besser just come and jam and have Horvat just crash and just yeah. do something. Yeah, change it up, right? Like, yeah. Again, it's a, a t- like these teams watch film going into these games, right? They yeah. spend some time in the media room, and and I'm sure the I'm sure the video coach shows the power play and says, "Hey, when this guy has it and it's this look, this is probably what's going to happen. Defend <laughs> it like this, right?" And and it's it's predictable. There's predictable. and it's static. If there's movement, suddenly, as as let's say JT Miller skates from the corner up the wing. Well, now that's two different looks from one guy, right? Right. It's, it just creates more and more options, uh, which hopefully creates more scoring chances. So it's funny. We just spent five minutes complaining about power play, giggling, giving suggestions. And that is the better of our two special teams formations. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So the Canucks penalty kill, I wrote this before the game and I said Canucks penalty kills below 70% again. Right now. I just checked. This is still true. Huh? The Vancouver Canucks penalty kill right now is at 69.9%. I knew you were going to say that. Oh. So <laughs> it is still technically below 70%. Yeah. Um, and it has been not great lately. Uh, tonight was good. Tonight was solid. Um, but like I said, after or that game against the Ducks uh, the other night, that was their 14th game this season where they have allowed multiple power play goals against, which is the most in the NHL. Um, how many, I can't see, I don't have it pulled up for how many, uh, how many they've allowed against, but um, how many total goals? I, I think I can pull it up here. Uh, the answer is lots. Yeah. Power play goals against per game. The Canucks are second in the NHL at 0.88. Uh, the Coyotes are at 0.9. Um, the league average, 16, 17, about 0.6. So that's about every three games, basically, the Canucks give up an extra goal. Yeah. From their from their it. penalty kill compared to league average, not compared to the best. If we're comparing to the best team in the NHL, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're at one, they allow um 0.33 uh, uh goals against per game on the power play. So they only get scored on the on uh, they only get a power play goal scored on once every three games, right? Yeah. So yeah. that would be it's a huge difference. It is oh. it is a, a monumental difference when we're we're adding on this many goals um, against Canucks have forty six power play goals against in fifty two games. Like I said, uh, by absolute value, it's the most in the NHL. Right. Uh, Arizona just played a couple less games, um, and yeah, it's it's just been faltering lately. And uh, I I don't I I have so much trouble prescribing what the issue is with the penalty kill because it feels like it feels like the shots that go in are worse than normal. Like it feels like Demko's <laughs> way worse on the penalty kill. Yeah. Uh, but it also feels like they really struggle with the puck over the blue line at times. Um, I don't really love the one, one, two, uh, yeah. to be honest. I, I, it, I, it feels like people are way too open. Uh, but again, lots of teams use it. So it's just yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, it just seems to be like a bunch of things that always go wrong. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I agree with you. I see two things, Parker. One of them is, and the Canucks are a decent face-off team, but for some reason, they lose a lot of face-offs on the the penalty kill. And yeah, and you a, do have when the face-offs in yeah. your own zone, you get you have to put your stick down first, right? Yeah. Like there there is an edge to the offensive team, but yeah. slightly. But go yeah, on. but that would you agree? That's a twenty to twenty-five second difference right there if you don't win the face-off. Oh yeah, yeah. If you yeah. win the face-off, you clear it. It's it's yeah. now they're coming in at one thirty-five, right? Yeah. Like it's a big difference. There you go. So, and the other thing is, I'm not sure, and we saw a bit of it tonight on that two-on-one. Um, Myers, Hamnick, OEL, you could say Hughes, all of them. They're they're not the best at defending. Not, not I'm going to continue the sentence. Not just defending, but they're not the great defending for whatever reason. Cross ice. I noticed it today. Even against a bad Seattle team, they're basically cross passing it, uh, cross yeah. crease passing at will. I don't know if they just not. Maybe Myers takes too long to get up once he goes down. I, they, they're just not that good at defending down low. 
don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. And again, you know, if we compare it to the Canucks power play where everything sort of revolves up high, um, these other teams are able to to play around, right? They're yeah. able to they're able to have players shooting from the faceoff circle. That's something yes. the Canucks don't really have, right? Like the only option from like inside the faceoff circle would be like Horvat on the bumper, uh, mm. or if Miller stepped in, which he never does. Uh, but the Canucks sort of do allow that option, right? Because they're on this one-one-two where yeah. the two are by the net, um, yeah. and that that creates a lot of room on the flanks, right? Yeah. And, and sort of down the wings to create some space, create some momentum, and, and try to have some movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I don't know. I, I I genuinely cannot tell you what the problem is with the Canucks penalty kill. If it was that easy, then they would have fixed it by now. Yes, it's uh, it's just a mess. Yeah, that yeah, special teams. There's well, there's yeah, there's a reason why the 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 good teams have the best special team units either way because it's such a such an important that's the difference maker in so many close games for sure yeah absolutely it's one now this is like the worst advanced analytics stat of all time uh where you just add the power play and penalty kill percentage if you if you brought this up in front of like genuine like hockey analysts they would be like this is the dumbest stat ever but it can at least give you somewhat of yeah, a picture, right? We and do it, it all the time. You, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, so let's do the math. 70 plus 19, right? It's 89%. That's less than 100. That's bad, right? That's bad. It means your special teams are a net negative. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not a foolproof stat by any means. Um, but it, it, it you know, it, it's it tells you that, I mean, when you have the worst penalty kill in the league and, the, uh, and a mid-tier power play, those don't add up. Right. It means that a, a league average team at five on five is going to get buried on those times, which is exactly what the Canucks are. Basically, <laughs> an average five V five team that the special teams are losing them games. Uh, and wow. it continues to be the case. You know, I was thinking I know we're going to have a lot of time up to the trade deadline, especially in the offseason, talking about the, the roster and the composition of the roster. I know you don't trade specifically to get a power play specialist or a penalty kill. It, it just comes with the players that you get. But you got to wonder if, if uh, obviously new personnel are going to make a difference. Uh, something's got to change. Something. I don't know what, but something. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, I, I don't know if it's coaching because the coaching yeah. didn't fix it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, yeah. It's because because that's the thing about about like penalty kill is it's all it's not very execution based, right? It's very systemic. Yeah. Um, and execution has something to do with it, but in theory, if they can figure out how to execute the system, if the system is good, it will work, right? It'll at least mm-hmm. be average. Um, so there's something, there's something amiss. Um, a miss indeed. But either way, let's uh let's let's do a quick preview, maybe. Um, sure. Thursday, Flames, 10 wins in yeah. a row. They don't play until Thursday, so they will be looking to make it 11 Great. against the Canucks at Rogers Arena. The black skate is back. I think yes. they'll be wearing a retro as well, ah. uh, which will be very fun, uh, very cool. And as we preview that, can you put Zach, I, I know, a twelve-year-old Zach, love his, uh, love his, uh, you know, commitment and his loyalty, but he, and his persistence. He's asked this about four times. He says, hmm. "Parker and Clay, is there a reason why the flying skate is returning? Is it too cynical to say it's all about the money?" <laughs> I think it's just fire. I, I think I think yeah. it's smart marketing. Yeah, uh, everyone online wants to see it. Everyone thinks it's great. There's a reason they only do it a couple times a year because yes. it, it creates that little bit of hype for it, right? Uh, it makes that game more interesting. Um, genuinely, it's a Thursday night. Like, it's it's a fairly, you know, it's against one of the best teams in hockey right now, the hottest team in the league, 10 wins in a row, mm. um, which sells itself. But that that wasn't the case when they picked this game, right? You know, Calgary yeah. was a good team, but not yeah. they weren't on the run that they're on right now. Right. Um, you know, they might've been 20, 13 and six instead of 30, 13 and six. Sure. Um, so, so it, it does, it generates buzz. It, it yeah. creates conversation, uh, that way, you know, there'll be highlights from that game. Other people will see it on, on sports that sports that sports that like, man, that looks cool. And it just generates buzz. It, it's just, yeah. it's just marketing. It's and smart. it's, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, they've said that it's probably going to be for only this one game for this season, but then there's rumors that that's going to become our alternate next year. Who knows? Which I, I think is the right play. Currently, yeah. I think I like the current alternate, to be honest. The the stick and rink with the I wish it had some white trim on it. Mm. Um, but I think it's I, I have one, I like it, I think it's a cool jersey, but it's it is so similar to the regular one, right? It's right. a different yeah. logo, it's the same colors, just in a different sort of scheme. Right. Um, right. I think your third jersey should be fun. 
right? Yeah. You look at you look at what the NBA does, where they are they're allowed to have these one off jerseys for games, right? Yeah. You look at the you look at the Black History Month jersey the Canucks put out um, earlier this week. That oh, those are awesome! Oh. Like if they could wear that in a game, that would be sweet. I remember in the NBA a couple of years ago, Miami had these like super pastelly like Miami Vice jerseys that looked so <laughs> so awesome. And it's like I I wish you know I wish they did more of that because yeah you know it, it they'd sell so many. Um, the, I mean the fact that like these Black History Month ones, if they were wearing them in a game and and you could just buy them, you just buy one in the you know in in the team store. They'd yeah. sell. They'd sell a ton of them. It's it's weird to me that they don't. Imagine the Canucks playing one game in those Lunar New Year red. Oh, oh, those are sweet. And if they weren't eight hundred eighty eight dollars to buy, that would be great too. If I could no. spend, I'd spend two fifty on one. Right. And 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 I'm asking you very genuinely. Do you, uh, um, did you know that eight is a lucky number in Chinese? Okay, I just know that. Yes. Well, yeah, I remember they used to that. they used to be five eighty eight a couple of years ago. I remember yeah. I saw them like that's crazy expensive. Like not yeah. not two eighty eight like yeah. <laughs> like like a reasonable yeah. jersey price. Uh, and now they've they've the inflation's crazy. And you're going from yeah. five eighty eight to eight eighty eight. But just wait till next decade. We eight thousand eight hundred eighty eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really bring those up. Um, so I guess preview for this game, uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough for the Canucks, uh, and it's, uh, it's like I said, the hottest team in the NHL right now, they have Jacob Markstrom who has the most, who has eight shutouts already this year. Uh, but that Jeremko is no sludge either, right? It's yeah. going to be two really good goalies. I could really see it being a pretty low scoring game. Yeah. Um, you know, Calgary, they have a lot of goals, but I mean, there's not like they're, they're crazy out there, right? They're not Colorado. Yeah um colorado has almost 200 goals this year they're averaging just under four per game which is crazy um yeah i could see i could see it being a, a goaltending battle uh and if you're going demco against markstrom it's really anyone's game yeah and we always joke around they have markstrom they have tanev and now they have a new forward that we get to see that uh, we had for about i think 20 games total so something like that yeah we'll see how Toffoli does yeah. too it's gonna be we'll good get it's gonna to be see, fun get to see tyler Toffoli back yeah. at rogers arena which will be uh, interesting. That should be say. Like, yeah, that should be good. Um, and then back to backs. Canucks play Sunday mm. uh, against the Rangers. So another two day break. They get the Friday, Saturday off, and then they go a uh, little road trip to New York. They get the Rangers, uh, and then they go over to uh, to New Jersey the following day okay. uh, as well. Maybe maybe a good little scouting trip on Saturday or on Sunday here. Uh, get to see some Rangers players. They get to see. A certain uh, certain Canucks player, maybe we'll see if that heats things up. Yeah, imagine they should just trade right before the game, and then they can just no, they're not going to do that. Dude, but second yes. intermission. Yeah, <laughs> the Rangers are losing. <laughs> the Rangers are losing going into the third, so they make the trade then because like, and then and then Miller scores the winner. That would be yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. I know you It'd can't cool. do that, but what if he scored for both teams in the same game? <laughs> that that would be uh, record record breaking for sure. Uh, Groundbreaking. They should allow that. They should allow that. That'd be cool. <laughs> but yeah, Rangers a fun team with Adam Fox and and their crew. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game. That's gonna be yeah. good. Absolutely, they've been uh, very good this year, right? Uh, yes, they've been. They their their rebuild went way ahead of schedule. I mean, it helps when you have guys like Artemi Panarin saying, "I will only go to New York." Uh, yeah. And it helps when a guy like Adam Fox says, I will only go to New York and turns out to be a Calder winner in like a second year. Yeah. Uh, that that helps, right? Yeah. That really helps accelerate a rebuild. Uh, the Canucks yeah. didn't have that luxury, um, but they are uh, they are doing well. And then they get the Devils on Monday yeah. night, who are one of the who are the worst team in the Metro right now. 17 wins only this season. They've been struggling a little bit of Hughes on Hughes, though, in this. Yeah. Game. So that's always intriguing, and the Devils do have some decent young players. But you—it's kind of interesting that the Canucks are playing them back to back because you look at the Rangers in New Jersey, and you could say, I'm guessing they're about the four, in the same spot four years ago. But how well the Rangers have rebuilt compared to the Devils? Yeah, the Devils have just sort of been down and out for a while. Um, yeah. You know, they had that—they had that whole Kovalchuk thing a few years ago, trying to get back into it, and that really didn't work. And yeah. they've just sort of been sputtering for a while. Um, and they don't have, it's not like they have like, like you think of like, who's the best, who are the stars on, on the devils? Yeah. And I don't get a lot coming to my mind, right? Like I get, you know, you get Jack Hughes yeah. um, I, and he sure, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess they have, they have, they have Dougie Hamilton now, don't they Does yeah. he play for them? For yeah. That? He's great. But like, they don't have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stars really. Um, yeah. VC plays for the place for the devils. <laughs> that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. Watch him light us up. 
Oh, it'd be that'd be funny. Yeah, who who does play? Who's good for them right now? Uh, they have Subban. Oh, just they, for Brat, of course. Brat, Brat, Brat. Brat. Yeah. yeah. They have Sharon Govich. Mm-hmm. Uh, they who's just an awesome name. Uh, Siegenthaler. Ozaka, uh, apparently our our trade yep. interests. Yeah. Yep, that could be interesting as well. So this is a um, weird team, man. Yeah. So if we look at this, we look at this. Well, then we'll do our predictions as we always do. I think last week we predicted like two and one, and I think yeah that worked because in a weird way. Um, what do you think for these games? Oh, Cal- I'd love to see us beat Calgary. How realistic is that? Uh, whatever. I'm the founder of the GLCPC. Two and one. <laughs> I, I, What's your I, loss? Is Calgary the loss? No, I think Rangers is a loss, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to go one, one, one. I like it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they beat New Jersey. And I'm going to yeah. say, I'm going to say the Flames game goes to overtime because I think, I think it's going to be like one, one and yeah. they go to OT. Uh, and then Canucks and Rangers, I I have no idea. So we'll okay, see. That's fair. I like it. All right. Um, we're at the hour mark. Let's take like two viewer questions. Uh, because All we, right. we we keep we never do them because we always we we have our times so perfectly timed up that we always end right at the right at the hour mark. Um oh Bruce wants to talk about about Halak. So we discussed last week Halak has not played his 10 games. Yeah, or his ten starts. Cox have a back to back this week. Yeah, um, mon- uh, Sunday, Monday. By the way, that Monday game's at four thirty, uh, and there's there will be Canucks after dark that night. I assume, um, so that'll be fun. Uh, will yeah. Halak get one of those games? Oh yeah, I, I yeah, I think he's playing New Jersey game. I really do. I want g- give me Spencer Martin. <laughs> like I'm, I, I'm je- like he is. I the Iowa Canucks got dominated the other night. I think he faced like forty something shots, and he only allowed two goals. And he has been on an absolute heater this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me look. Let me look up what what are his stats at now. He's got a he's put up a nine twenty mm-hmm. uh, in the AHL thus far this season. His career best. Um, he has ten in thirteen games, ten wins, one loss, two overtime losses. Uh, that is pretty is, good. He has been fantastic. So, why not put Halak in the press box? Maybe, maybe, right? I, again, I think it's a bad look if they do that, and we've talked about this at length a bit. And I, 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 it's it's kind of a scummy move, but I think Spencer Martin. I think he, I, I want to see him play some more games. Uh, I yeah. genuinely do because I think you might have a decent backup goalie here, Parker. You will see Spencer Martin play more games in October of 2022. Well, he's on expiring contract. They have to re-sign him. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Wouldn't you want to? Wouldn't you want to see what you got a little bit more, right? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you play him a couple more times here before the trade deadline. Some teams come calling. They say, "Man, you've got a goalie. We we could use a backup." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we could use a guy who's got a nine fifty eight save percentage as our backup. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I think he's he's just he's just good. He seems it's like funny. he could be good. A month ago, we would never be having this conversation. Oh, there's no way that we're going to get to a point where we no. would consider it. But now we're only now we're yeah, thirty games away. I still think I still think Halak plays one of those two. I just do. I think I think so too. Yeah, I'm just rooting the other way. I know. <laughs> You're smart. <laughs> All right. Um, any other things you want to take here? Um, whatever I'm, you want. I can't I'm, see anything. Oh, that's good. I am. I'm scrolling. Uh oh, Justin wants uh wants the thoughts on the play tonight where there were six guys in the corner. Uh what the puck wasn't there. This was the camera work on this was great too. Um, because on the Sportsnet feed they cut to the one camera that's like the close-up of like yep. the legs, and you can't see the puck in there, and then it cuts back to the wide view and it's a two on two. And you're like, wait, <laughs> like did was there a skip? Like, did did my did my feed cut out for like a minute or like for like five seconds or something? And uh, Shorty's call was great. He's like, and then, well, they're at center ice. <laughs> like, There's six guys back behind the play. <laughs> it's like, what? it's like, what is going on? I, it was hilarious. You did you yeah. notice that in real time? I did. And Parker, uh, where my seats are, that was the corner. So right. So we're watching it, and then I see something. As I'm watching it, I see something out of the corner of my eye go around the boards, and then I see four other guys over there skating around. And it was, I actually heard the ref yell something like. Move, it's gone it's, it's gone yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then the crowd you could 
visibly see people convulsing, laughing so hard yeah. in, their, in their chair. <laughs> it, was, it was it was pretty wild. funny. I've never seen that. Like you see that two guys or maybe four guys, but never six. You never have you rarely have six in a scrum to begin with, <laughs> right? And for the puck to not even be there is is excellent. Did you see uh, that? I didn't see the replay. Did you see how it got out? Did they ever show? No, they didn't really show it very well. I imagine that it just got like kicked or or, like smacked around and somehow no one knew or they they were acting for a little bit. I, I genuinely don't know. I've seen some goofball throw like a fan throwing a second puck on the ice and they blow it dead because there's now two pucks. Yeah. But no, this was still only one puck. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, I literally looked like I was like, oh, there's like, wait, why is there two? Like what's going on? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, We'll take one more. Um, We'll take one more from, from Kai. Uh, saying, do you think we're a soft team? We really see any fighter pushback from someone who's not named Shunner Burroughs. I'm uh, not saying go get some goon, but we look like an easy night out against some bigger teams. Yeah, I thought about this a lot, Parker, after Saturday night when I saw guys like Delorier uh, in from Anaheim really push our guys around. Shen gets his six or seven hits a night. Burroughs can hit. Um, on the boards, Besser, Pearson, Miller, they're decent. Hamnick, they're decent on the boards. So I wouldn't say we are soft. I, I I would never call the Canucks soft, but I don't think that uh, it depends if you think they need this. I, I don't think they're, they're rough and tumble by any means either. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's an easy thing to pick out on a team. That's not doing very well. Mm. Um, I think if you have a team that is, that is producing, right. Use Toronto as an example. Um, and use Toronto as an example, if they hadn't failed the last like four years in the playoffs, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm saying, if you put a team together that had that level of skill and was winning yep. the amount of games that they do without the physicality really, or the pushback, right? A couple guys here and there, but you don't have Mitch Marner, you know, throwing hits after the play or anything. Right. Um, I think if you have the skill, it's easy to, to look past some of that. Um, unless your guys are getting hurt and things like that. And then, and then people will, will go towards it. But yeah, um, I think physicality is not as important as people make it out to be. I think it's sort of used as a scapegoat a lot of the time when teams just aren't good enough to begin with. And people use that as like, that's like a reason that it's, that it's, you know, that like, it's like, Oh, you're getting pushed around out there. It's because you're not physical. I was like, also because you're just not playing good. Right. And you don't, you don't have the skill to back it up. So I, I think, I think it can help, right? I think the physicality can help turn a game in your favor, but I, I think if you have a, a super physical team, that doesn't guarantee you anything. Love your answer because Patrick Alvin, he said, what's the identity of this team when he was asked that? And he says, well, we're still trying to figure out, but we know the way the league is going is speed and skill. Parker, he didn't say the league is going to big and tough or, yeah. or rough and tumble. He said speed and skill. And you're right. If you play with speed and skill, then you're going to expose the teams that can't skate with you or that are rough and tumble. So I, that's a great answer. And I, I, I agree with you. I think the Canucks got to forge their own identity and make other teams follow them as opposed to them trying to live up to some other type of prototype. Yep. Yeah. It's a copycat league and yeah. that can be a bad thing. You know, you yeah. can be, you can end up behind the curve that way. Sure. Um, all right. I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, let's get this banner off my page. Uh, thank you guys very much for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe and hit like. Uh, there will be a podcast version of this up shortly. Um, Clay, any parting words for the night? Well, Parker, thanks for accommodating me and my very boring background, but at least we made it work. And uh, yeah, full capacity, one and one now. I'm just really pumped for this Thursday game. It's uh, what do you call it? A measuring stick game, litmus test, or just... We got to beat the team. It's a tough game. Yeah, it's going to be good. But overall, no, I'm uh, um, depending on if you want the Canucks to make the playoffs or not, as we're getting entertained with today, it was entertaining. And um, I expect to see more of the same on Thursday. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. uh, And we will talk to you guys uh, next week.